Blog Talk Radio. Show. This is where we tell our stories our way, right out of the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And boy, do we have a great show today. We got the famed legendary, my friend, Mr. James Gatson. We're going to be bringing him on in just a minute. Meanwhile, I hope everything's okay in your city or wherever you are living right now and you're doing the right thing to make right things happen in your communities, you know, supporting black on black businesses. Uh, going out, nurturing and mentorshipping, doing things with young people, uh, giving them the knowledge that they need to succeed. So we want you to be able to be doing that, you know, those kind of things right there. So with that being said, here on Black Wall Street here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, we just had the centennial here, 100-year uh, centennial here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thousands of people came here. Uh, we had Juneteenth, the largest Juneteenth celebration here in the nation. Uh, it was about 40, 50,000 people here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some of the, the dignitaries and big people and little people and all kinds of people were here. Uh, I had uh, the pleasure of interviewing Jesse Jackson and uh, all of them, Carlton Pearson and you name it, they came into my radio station and we had a great conversation about being black in America. So, Want you to if you want to listen to some of that, you can go into our archives at on the KBOB eighty nine point nine Facebook page. Also, hey, we want you guys go to our website. It is KBOB eight nine nine dot com. I'm gonna repeat it. KBOB 
Tulsa899.com. That's our website. You can see everything that we're doing here in the community of Tulsa, Oklahoma, because we're more than just a radio station. Um, <clears throat> we give away uh, backpacks to children. I think last year we gave away uh, probably close to 700 backpacks to kids. Uh, we do community festivals. We do community cleanup, trash cleanup in our hood, and uh, we mentor young people. So if you want to support us, you can email us at eatonmusic2 at gmail.com. Again, that's eaton, E-A-T-O-N, music2 at gmail.com. Or you can stop by the studio uh, at 1533 North Norfolk. You know, so we try to get it in. I got a small staff of people over here uh, doing some incredible things and just making some stuff happen, you know. Hey, so today, James Gatson's in the house. Oh, man, this man right here, I really look up to him and a whole lot of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, us musicians who've been in the industry for years really look up to this gentleman right here because uh, he paved the way for so many people in the music industry, and he's legendary. He's pl- he's played on so many hits. I mean, I can't even name, you know, some of the people he's worked with. So we're going to get into that, and uh, so we want you to do that. You can dial the number 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press the one button if you want to talk to James Gatson. You know what I mean? So we want you to stick around. All right. I got to pay some bills, and we're going to be right back. So we want you to tell a family member, tell a friend, tell somebody, you know, what's going on over here. KBOB 89.9. And uh, let me find out where, oh, here we go. So let me play some, pay some bills right quick, and uh, I'll be right back. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Toll with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry-out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. Hi, I'm Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all from any type of promotional, from screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is denise.tulsamidtown at gmail.com. Thank you. Searching for ways to grow your business, or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to the Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. 
Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit TulsaTransit.org for more details. All right, hey, we're back on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And boy, we got a great show today. All right, I want you guys to uh, dial that number 646 716 5525. Coming up in just a minute, the one and only Mr. James Gatson. So we want you to participate and be here and um, be in the house. What they say, be in the house. All right, we'll be right back. All of our love land and all of its charm, but I know I'll never get to love land unless I wrap up in your arms. Got this ticket with you. Please take me with you Now I love to walk Now that I'm holding feet Hand in hand with you Where all the lovers meet Oh, I'd love to go to love land With you Pretty baby, just my love is true well, I do. I have heard all about the land and all of it to you. Well, loneliness just can't enter, and happiness is the answer. Got to take me with you, baby. Got to take me with you. Oh, yeah. How I'd love to walk now that a golden feet hand in hand with you where all the love is. How I'd love to go to love land with you. Ooh. Yeah. Baby, yeah. Take me with you, baby. Yeah. 
a long way singing, you know, at a group called the Five Marcells. Uh, okay. Anyway, when I got out of the Air Force, I came back to Kansas City. My brother had a, a band. I didn't know he had learned how to play guitar. You know, I was in the Air Force for four years. Never knew, never saw him play guitar, but he had a working band. Bro, really? Yeah, and I, I mean, he had, he had learned, of, you know, he had played with a lot of the gospel groups out of, out of, out of Chicago, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Okay, we breaking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, he started playing, uh, you know, R&B music. Oh, I got roll, you. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he said, come on in the band. You know, I they, the band was already established, so I was able to. I was kind of like a front man. I played little keyboards and mm-hmm. sang. Mm-hmm. And the drummer, the bass player, left the group to go with J. Mike Shan, who's an Oklahoma. Yeah, J. Mike Shan, right. Right. And uh, bass, the drummer was also a bass player. He was he wanted to take the bass player, but I had to take the drummer, drum seat, and I had to learn how to play. You know, I could play a little creep beat stuff, but I couldn't play a villain song. So I had to learn how to play mm-hmm. drums and, you know, learn how to play drums at the same time. It, 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 it worked out for me. Yeah, so you became a drummer. I became a drummer. I got you. I got you. So upon doing that, did you migrate to Hollywood or did you L.A. or what, what happened? Yeah, well, you know, I got out of R&B and I started playing jazz. You okay. know, by that time the three B three organs came in. Oh yeah, the B three. That was the craze. So I was playing jazz. So friends of mine, I saw in Los Angeles, they were on the uh, they were on television out there, the Dean Martin show. Mm-hmm. So I thought they had made the big time. So they said, "Come on out." I came out to work with them. But I couldn't play their music because I was in, I had gotten into jazz so much I couldn't play no R&B stuff. Okay. So they took it. So it was pretty rough for me for you know a couple years and uh I met a drummer out here from New Orleans who had played on a lot of hit records. I had I came out here two or three times playing mm-hmm. jazz and a drummer by the name John Bugro from New Orleans. They don't got all the and I'll get you a gig so he got me a gig with Charles Wright was at that time it was called Charles Wright and the Wright Sounds and I started working with him I think he fired me about five times for that <laughs> play more. I got you so I just it don't play nothing but I just had time for about eight months I couldn't you know and I started listening as I was playing, and so I, I developed my own style, which was uh, was great for me, you know. I got you. And I, I played with Charles, and I, that was one of the freshest love. Seems like the phone is breaking up a little bit. Are right? is there a movement going on? I'm trying to. Hello. Hello. Yeah. 
Okay, it was breaking up there for a minute. And you were saying you got with Charles Wright and them and started playing with them, right? Right, it was the Wright Sounds. Mm-hmm. Before it was a Washington and Street Rhythm Band. You know, Bill Cosby named, named the group that. Oh, he's the one who named it the 100, he did? Yes, he named the group the Washington Street Rhythm Band. Hmm. Anyway, I got with the band and we played and we had some hits. And I went, I, I laid on one with Bill Withers, you know. Well, 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 with that, that Watts 103rd Street band, you guys had Loveland was a hit, right? Right, Express Yourself was ex- the big one. Yeah, Express you Yourself. Know. You know, Express Yourself. Boop, boop. Yeah, that man, everybody know that, you know. And then you... Do your thing. Huh? Do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. That was the first hit. With Charles Wright. In the, yeah, right. And so right. you left Charles Wright and went to start working with Bill Withers? Yeah, I met Bill Withers through Charles. I think Charles might have managed Bill Withers for a minute, for a week or two. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and this is before, you know, uh, before he had Ain't No Sunshine. You know? Right, 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 right. Uh, one of the guys in the watch band was working with Bill and got his demos together, and he we went to Sunset Records and... Uh, Ain't no sunshine developed out of that with the gigantic hit for Bill. Right, you were playing on that particular song, right? No, I didn't play on that okay, one. That was didn't... the uh, Booker T was the producer on that one. Okay, Booker T, Booker T. Jones, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Al Jackson was a drummer. Right, right, <laughs> right. You're right. So uh, anyway, uh, we 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 remain friends, and so. Uh, Booker T got busy doing Willie Nelson after he did uh, the Ain't No Sunshine album for Bill. And uh, so Bill didn't have a producer at that time. So he would come over to my, my backyard, my garage, and we would rehearse the watch band guys uh, was the rhythm section. By that time, I had left the watch band, and uh, the other guys had started to leave. And so we... Uh, Rehearsed with Bill Withers, I guess a couple of months, and I mean he didn't, he never looked back after that. You know, he did use me and and kissing my love and lean on me was a big one for him. You know, mm, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was. It was. So I, I eventually went into the studio. I got blessed, and I said, you know, I went into the recording studio that time. Motown had moved to Los Angeles in nineteen seventy two. Well they probably moved out before then, but that's when I joined Motown, you know, as a drummer. I started doing a lot of recording sessions with them. I did a lot of you know, a lot of the temptation stuff. the miracles, the first thing they had was doing his baby after smoking left. I played on that one. Uh Diana Ross, uh you know, uh, Love Hangover and uh, right. the Jackson. They were the Jackson Five at that time, Dancing Machine. So you were playing you know, on all those songs right there? Right. You know, in, the reco- in, in, the, in the recording studio? Yeah. Man. Yeah. What was it like? Yeah. What was that like, man? Because, you know, back in those days, I remember a lot of musicians who played live was wanting to really... Uh, Go into the recording studio. I mean, you you had seemed like you had it on lock. <laughs> well, I was blessed, man. I had traveled in what they call doing the Chisholm Circus stuff. 
Right. You know, I travel all around the country. I played with Hank Ballard in the mid nineties. A lot of people might not know who that was. Mm-hmm. But he was you know, he was more risque than Prince. He had out Annie had a baby and worked with me Annie, you know, in the fifties. Right. And so uh, I played with him uh, years later after his you know, after their success about fifteen years later. And uh I just got tired, you know, I went back to Kansas City and started working with the local groups and my brother so when they called me to come to L.A., I thought this was going to be great, but I couldn't play the guy's music, you know, friends of mine had called me. Uh-huh. So I learned, I had to start all over again from the beginning when I got with the Watts Band and, uh, you know, re uh, retool as they call it. You know, I had to learn how to play the funk stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, R&B the R&B stuff. stuff, yeah. Right, which was great, you know. I mean, it turned out to be great, so I was... Blessed to get it, man. It, it was to get into the studios was a feat at that time. Yeah, you know, I was I was blessed to get in there. You know, yeah, you work with some great um, musicians and studio musicians as well. You know, uh, right? Yeah, just to name a few. And uh, <clears throat> while we're still talking about that, uh, we need uh, to give homage to uh, the late Clarence McDonald, man. You know, he just passed away what a day or two ago. You just in two days. Yeah. I met Clarence. That's, he was one of the first guys I met at Motown. He was a great arranger, writer, and keyboard player. Yeah, he was something. He produced a lot of we records, just, too. In fact, we, you and I worked together on this project. Yeah, man, we From played Mem- together. Yeah, on Memphis Horn <laughs> stuff, right? Right. Right, the Clarence was arranger and producer on, yeah. Yeah, man, it was a fun, fun project, man. You know, free five funkity funk, huh? <laughs> Waiting for the flu. Free five funk, funkity funk. That was a great break. Yeah, we played me, you, and uh, the late Patrick Moten and the late Marlo Henderson, you know. And yeah, man, those guys, man, were, were phenomenal musicians. And Clarence produced a lot of that material. And he also produced. Uh, Denise Williams and who else? Bill Withers, right? Right. And he, uh, it's uh, I'll, uh, I see Fine, I see Wayne, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, oh, wow, man, he did a lot of, he did a lot of to see. Yeah. Too. He was very iconic, yeah. man. He was, yeah. uh, one of the cats, you know, who were doing That's right. Back well, he was one of the best. Yeah, one of the best. Back yeah. 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 So he, uh, we're just giving a tribute out to him and his family and, you know, man, uh, man, just hate to see people leave, you know, but you never know. But look here, we're going to uh, go to the phone lines right quick. I think we got a caller to or somebody wanting to, to speak to you, you know, and uh, we're going to do that right quick. So, so stand by, okay? All right. All right, stand by. Let me get them on uh, the phone right quick. Area code 816-716. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show. Yes, this is Robbie Kern, uh, James Gatson's sister. Just okay. calling in to give a shout out to my big brother and, and ask him if he can still sing Chicken Back. His first <laughs> All right, Gatson, that's your sister calling in. All right. Hello, Gatson. Get. 
Are yes, you sir. able to hear me? Can you hear her? Are, are you able no, to hear me? No, oh, you can't hear her. Okay. No. Let me let me let me let me get the volume up here. Okay. I thought maybe you could hear it. Can you hear can you hear her now? Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Hi. This is Angel. I'm calling the and yeah. Ask you if you can yeah, still sing your recording chicken back. Remember your first recording chicken back. I can't make out what she said. She said your first recording chicken back. Yeah, chicken back and Y D Y. Right. That was on the federal label. Yeah. That was fourteen years old. Yeah. Fourteen years old. Uh-huh. Okay. Well good. That's the that's funny right there. <laughs> well well look here. Uh can you tell us a little bit something about James that we may not know? Well, uh, he is a wonderful human being, as you well know. Oh, yeah. And sure. uh, uncle to many, many, many guests. He's our patriarch. And uh, we all love him. He started with, uh, I remember when we were kids, he and my brother Tootie, would sneak out and go sing in clubs, and they were way, way underage. And uh, Ollie Gates, I don't know if you know who that is. That's one of the big barbecue magnets here in Kansas. Gates Barbecue? Yes, well, his father was institutional in helping him get a start when they were really young. But um, he played in the Drum and Bugle Corps in Kansas City, and... Uh, we were all very active in church. Um, I think much has been written about him already, and I would encourage people to go out on Google. There's about five or ten pages dedicated to Gap. He's a very humble person, as you probably know. Not boastful at all, but uh, just my brother, but a nice man. Oh, I know that for sure. He's a great man, nice, humble. He never let all that, any of that go to his head, you know. So, mm-hmm. regular down earth guy, you know, that's what I remember for sure. I think there's some others in the queue who would like to give yeah, a shout out. Yeah, go ahead and see what's going on right here. Stand by, okay? Okay. Area code 832-923. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show with James Gatson. Hello, this is Mark Herndon. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to my one, my one of my favorite uncles, Uncle Gat, uh, and, and let him know that we're in his corner and how much we appreciate it. Uh, as, as that was my mom on the other line right there, Angel. That's that's actually my, my mother. Okay. But, uh, my uncle. My uncle Gat is is uh, certainly one of my family's heroes and one of my biggest heroes. Well, hey, he's a great man. He's a very great man. Yeah, and, uh, yeah we want you to continue on honoring your great, you know, relative here on the Bobby Eaton Show. And because, uh, hey, man, he's he's iconic. You know, he's just been there. You know, so that's a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Good thing, man. Great, great, great. Uh, where are you so, calling from? I'm, I'm calling from Houston, Texas. Okay, Houston, H-Town. I lived there 22 years. Yeah, wow. So I, yeah. I, I know a lot about it. Yeah, I know a lot about it. Well, continue to listen, in, you know, because uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get some more calls calling in, okay? Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. <coughs> James Gaston. Yes, sir. Man, family loves you, man, you know. And uh, I can tell. I can feel it. I, you know, I know it's in the air, you know, and uh, just things going on, man. Uh, so, Moving forward, I mean, man, I'm looking at this list right here. You worked, uh, of course, Charles Wright, 133 Band, Bill Withers, Marvin Gaye, Jackson Five, Diana Ross, Bobby Womack, Justin Timberlake, uh, Helen Reddy, Eddie Kendricks, Barry White, do you name it? Teddy Pendergrass, Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Smokey Robinson. You work with Billy Preston, and the list goes on and on and on, man. How were you able to, to get all of this work, man, and do all of this stuff right here, man? You must have been more out. By the of God, I was blessed to be able to be in the studio. Man, it was very enjoyable for me for those years to get to play with all those people. Man, it was wonderful. Oh, man. It was a wonderful time. So, so back in them days, you just pack up one drum set to another drum set and transfer this and... Uh, all of that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Studio to studio, right? Studio to studio. Sometimes I guess you would do two or three, four sessions a day, right? Yeah, I was doing. I, I guess for, so for years I did three sessions every day. Every you day, know? and you were getting double scale and all that, man, right? Yeah, after two years, I started getting double scale. You know, that was great. Oh yeah, and back in those days, we're talking what, sixties, seventies, eighties, where? Right. We're talking about the 70s, you know, 70s and the 80s. Man, because I right. mean, you were rocking it hard in the 70s, man. I mean, you, every time I turn on um, the radio, I hear you drumming on somebody's stuff. <laughs> yeah, I even played, I, I even played on some of the Gap Band's albums. Yeah, I know. You know, me and yeah. Charlie Wilson, we still stay in touch, and we were talking. And uh, we were mentioning your name, and you played on some of that, that music, too. Do you remember what cuts you played on? I don't remember, man. I played on so many records, I just don't remember. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, man, you know, because you were where some of us younger musicians were trying to get to, you know. During the period, I, you know, I played with Natalie Cole for several years, and, and uh, you know, Patrick Moten and all of us guys, Michael Wyckoff, all bless their hearts, they're deceased now. Jimmy Macon and uh, some of my crew, and we was trying to be like you. Well, man, y'all sounded good. You know, I just happened to be blessed. To in, you know, I was just blessed to get into the studios, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, because um, I think during the time that I got in the studio, and when the Motown moved to Los Angeles, I don't think it was a lot of brothers working in those studios. Yeah, it was. You know. And so it started to happen. A lot of brothers got to work, you know, because a lot of brothers didn't get to play our music, you know, at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd have other so, kind of musicians play, playing our music, right? Right. So, you know, uh, I think it's a you know, by Motown moving there, I think it had something to do with it. 
you know, where yeah. we uh, got to play a lot of our music. When Motown yeah. first moved there, wasn't a wasn't a, a new Motown a change that took place? Yeah, the the sound changed. Yeah, and that's wasn't that when uh, Rick James uh, and all them came aboard and stuff like that as well. Right. Yeah, the sound changed. It was a it was a different sound from Detroit, L.A. It was L.A. L.A. like sound. Right. I guess you would call that. You know. Yeah, with a lot of new artists too as well, right? Oh yeah. The mixture, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different, you know, Midwest, uh, East Coast, a lot of different mixtures at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know. I, I remember uh, witnessing some of that uh, over at Motown. You know, what, what right. that's when Barry sold it, after he sold it. You know, he came there for a few years and then he sold it, right? Why, why do you think he sold it? Well, I think, you know, he, I think he figured out he, did everything that he was inspired to do. I mean, you know, he went into the movie business for a minute. Right. You know, uh, uh, and um, at that time, I mean, we have a lot of black movie producers and directors now. At that time, it wasn't feasible for a lot of black people to be in the movie. I think that movie that he did, uh, uh, the Diana Ross starred in it. Was uh, it uh, Mahogany? Is that what it was? Yeah. That's the one the one before Mahogany. Okay, the one before Lady Things the Blues. Lady Things yeah, the Blues. Yeah, Lady Things the Blues. Okay. 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 Great movie. Richard Pryor was in it and you know, it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know. But they didn't look, you know, they didn't get the uh the recognition that it needed. Right, they didn't get the recognition. Mm-hmm. And so uh Do it's we... a different different nowadays because we have more outlets. Mm-hmm. We have cable. And so we have, you know, we got a lot of black producers in there. Yeah, you mean today? You know, different, you know, a lot of different other races, too, that are producing and directing these different movies. Mm-hmm. So it's opened up quite a bit since then. Yeah, so it thinking, really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, uh, you know, by him going in the movie business and then, you know, Motown was... It's seen as heyday, I guess, because the Detroit Motown was really the Motown, I think. Yeah, the real music of, of Detroit Motown, right? Yeah, that's the one that I, I you but, know, I but, but Gatson, they had a machine, the Funk Brothers, right? They was that was a machine, right? Yeah, they was. Yeah, they had a machine, and they sounded. I mean, it was you know they made some great records coming out of that. Right, you know. right, great records, right. Earl of Chunk Funk and all of them and James Jameson right. and all of those brothers and Pete Pistol on yeah, drums, right? Right. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a machine. A certain yeah. a certain technique and a certain sound from those certain musicians who played on multiple tracks of Motown, you know, and people didn't even know who really who they were, you know. Right. They didn't well they didn't I don't I don't think that the Barry wanted people to know who the musicians were that played on those records. Yeah, I don't either. It had so much success, I guess he didn't probably he probably didn't want want them playing on other records. Probably why? Yeah, well, if you, they didn't put somebody's name on the back. No, you know, I'd be wanted. Who is that? You know. Well, I know one thing: they put your name on a bunch of them. Well, in later years, it's you know they. 
I thought that was a good thing. Okay, breaking up a little bit. I don't know what's happening. Give the musician some credit, you know. Uh-huh. The signal out here, I, this is, is a bad signal out there. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm hearing a little static. You're coming in and out, so I didn't know if you were in a place where, you know, the signal was a little bit stronger. You know, this is bad out here on everybody's phone uh, lately. I don't know what has happened. Well, let me ask you this one question. Who is the – what artist do you remember that – you really, really, really enjoy playing with. Now, I know that's a hard question, but what artists? Wow, man, that's a hard oh, well, question. What two, what two to three artists? I'll put, I'll let it be like that. Who was really enjoyable, man, to the utmost, where you just felt real comfortable? Well, I, I enjoyed the Jackson Five. Okay. Bill Withers. Wow, Marvin Gaye, uh, man. At Motown, man, I played on so many different things. I mean, wow, even the even the latter people like the Dave Beck, you know, Justin Timberlake, yeah, Harry Styles, you know, uh, D'Angelo. I had enjoyed playing with him. I did some stuff with him. The Sugar Daddy record. Okay, see, you know? I I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I had to, you know, to be able to play. You know all these uh, and, and people. And speaking of the studio musicians, who, who name some of the guys that accompanied that you played with in the studio? Because there was a group of studio musicians who would transfer from studio to studio, Paramount over to here to there, and in United whatever, and boom, A and M, and you guys would just kind of like sometimes meet up in the same circles, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, Wawa Watson, right. Uh, wow, Joe Sample, who was a famous jazz beat keyboardist, played on a lot of the sessions. Right. Wilson Felder, who was a saxophonist for the group uh, that Joe Sample and all that went in. The Crusaders. He played, he played bass on a lot of those Motown sessions in Los Angeles. Okay. You know. So, I mean, it was a, a lot of famous musicians. I mean, when I started working at Motown, I would be in all a lot of times. I'd come in for a session, and I would see these people that I just would be reading the back of the album covers when they started. And I'd step in and I would see people. Hmm. Yeah. So, oh, man, that, that had to be something else, man. I remember um, uh, Sonny Burke, you know, and some of these guys right. like that, and uh, right. uh, David T. Walker. You know, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I, I remember a couple of sessions I played in the recording studio with those guys, and I was the youngest man, and they just told me, "Just hang on in there, man. Just come on and just, you know." <laughs> I was nervous, man. Knees knocking and everything. I'm saying, man, I'm in here with, you know, and Paul Jackson Jr. and you know, so right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this famous people. Paul was just starting out. Paul was one of the greatest guitar players. You know, in the music business, guy. Yeah, Paul was bad, man. He just, <laughs> man, you know. So all of them guys were up in there, you know. And uh, I mean, it was wow. It was it was a great, uh, you know, mixture. That it was great to, to be around all that different, you know, all those different personalities. Right. You right. know, we don't get to do a lot today. 
you know, we had uh, everybody, almost every. I have a studio. A lot of people have studios now. And since the pandemic has changed, you know, a lot of times, then you'll uh, song. Right. You'll play on it, send it back to them. You know? Right. Through, through technology. I, I kind of honor it. I miss, the, I miss playing with people. I really do. Yeah. You, you know, I think. The human side of playing with people through feel. You're right. Yeah, it was, you know, it, 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 certain things would happen when you would play with people that wouldn't happen if you just overdub them, as they call it, you know. Right. Stu, yeah, I got you. I got you. So it's, it, it, it's, it's a different day. You know, I mean, evolution, you know how that goes. So it's a different day. But, I mean, it was great to, to be in the studio with all those different people at that time. Yeah. You know. Constantly. Marvin Hick- what was, was what was Marvin like, man? Working with Marvin Gaye, what was that like? Uh-oh. He was uh, breaking up a little bit again. He was a perfectionist, you know. I mean, it, you know, it, 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 I saw I saw him sing 120 takes one time. 120 takes of music. That's a lot of yeah, a lot of times, you know, to get it right. You know, he was great. And uh, Aaron Neville's who uh, was also wonderful. He was saying, I, I worked with him, and sometimes the session would be six or seven hours a day. He sang every take we played. Wow. You know, that was, you know, I, that, I had never seen that before. He was, he dug it like that, you know. Mm, mm. So, so, I mean, Mar- just- Marvin Gaye being that professional, I mean, that perfectionist, and Aaron Neville's both, Working hard like that, you know, because sometimes back in those days, I believe, and you can, you know, speak on this. Uh, maybe one song might take a whole week almost, right? Right, that's just, right. Just to record in one song, right? So, so yeah, many, so, so many, so many different takes, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one time we did "Standing on Shaky Ground," four different producers, four different arrangements. You wow, know. I mean, it's you know you never. Man, that is uh, yeah. that is remarkable. Standing on shaky ground, I remember that. You know, that's Temptations, it, it, right? Yeah, that was a Temptation. They had four different. I think you know, I might not have been the latest. I mean, I don't know if I was the the drummer that finally that they put the record out on. I, I remember they cut it four times. I played on it three times. Well, you're it, probably in there. So, I mean, it was just you know perfection. Motown was Motown was also a school for me. So I learned a lot about how to play fake records, mm-hmm. and so that was great. You know, being there, learning you know learning more about the you know how to make a record. Mm-hmm. How to make you a know. record. Now, name some of the songs, man, that you played on and the artists that recorded them. You know, over at Motown when you were over there. Just name a few. So people going to know whenever they hear these songs, they'll say, man, that's James Gatson playing drums. Well, Smokey Robinson, Cruising. I mean, oh, I mean Cruising. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I played on stuff. Man, there's so many. That was well, just name a few. Of- name a few of them so people will know whenever they hear these iconic hit classic songs that James Gatson playing on them. Shoeshine Boy, Eddie Kendricks. Man, I, it's so many of them. I, I just can't remember everything. You know? <laughs> it's too many to even remember. 
so many to do so many records, you know. So you uh, you did uh, you did something with Aretha. Yeah, I did some, but you know, I I don't think it they ever became that big. In fact, the last sessions that I did with Aretha, they were at Motown Studios. Okay. And she was in Detroit, and she would call in, and she was listening as the session went down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's that, you know, I yeah. never uh, never go hands on. I, I think that would have been great. To, to work with her in person, you know. Mm. What about so electric? Right. What about Teddy Pendergrass? Well, he was on the East Coast. Okay. I, I, I did some East Coast records, but I never got to play with him. Okay. But, uh, All right. Bobby Womack. Bobby Womack. I did three albums with him. Yeah. We became really good. Yeah. Bobby. Womack. Yeah, I played. With, I played with Womack for a minute. You know, a little bit. Me and um, I did. It's only now, you know. Yeah, that's what Patrick Moten was producing, right? He wrote that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. He wrote that hit. If you think you, he play, right. I play. I played with him with uh, DJ Rogers back in the day. You know? All right. Well, yeah, I did a trust me with DJ. Yeah, trust me. Roger, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I knew he was in there, so you know, because we were running to each other time to time down, like you say, down at the Union Hall or something. You know, right, and uh, man, trying to get them checks. I mean, I, 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 have, I have been blessed to play on so many records, man. I just can't remember a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I know. It's, you know yeah, there's been so many. But I just remember, you know, we call it the good days. Yeah, them good days, man. I, right. I like, like I said earlier when I was talking, and I say, man, I remember those that first session I did with you with the the Memphis Horns, and it was on RCA Records. You know, and uh, I came in there. I said, "Oh man, me and Patrick said, yeah, Gatson's gonna be beating these drums, man." You know what I mean? It, it was so fu- so much fun. You know, yeah. Clarence McDonald producing, Alan Abrams was off in there as well. You know. Man, you sounded so good, man. I, I I hope you're still playing your bass. Well, I don't play as much as I used to play, man. But I'll never stop playing. You know, so. And you wrote you wrote very good. The few five four funky funk going on. <laughs> yeah, we got uh the late great Patrick Moden and I, we got together, we wrote a ton of songs for several people, man, you know, and uh some of them got recorded and some of them didn't. I, I I've got some of that material, man, just here on cassette. And I said I was gonna transfer it and send it to his family, you know, and uh, uh things like that. But man, Man, you were the man, man, because I remember. Now, what I remember, you remember the Total Experience nightclub? You remember that, right? Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I, I remember that very well. Yeah, man, we used to talk about you uh, all the time. Uh, Eli Harrell, we called him Sweat. You were talking about James Gatson. James Gatson, when I first got there, and Gene, Eugene Henderson played guitar. There. James Gatson, James Gatson. So uh, on the music scene, man, you were there, you know doing it now when somebody wanted you to be on their session they would get the music to you early or how would you work that out man or would you just get well, they, the- what they had in those days you know when it was the studios were flourishing they had what they call contractors right so they had a guy by the name of ben barrett who was i know you remember him yeah ben barrett yeah yeah he was he would call everybody 
if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, they would get in touch with him, and uh, he would direct the uh, the session. You know, he put okay. he put the musicians together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put you the know, musicians so together. Now there was a number. There was a lady. I don't know if you remember her. Her name was Juanita Scott. You know, and she worked for the Music Network, where you could call in and leave messages for musicians. And and she was talking to me about how she spoke to you a lot of times back in those days, and a lot of other musicians. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it was called a music. Yeah, they, yeah. right. Yeah, they did. They had that. Yeah, they had that. You you know what I mean. So if I wanted James Gapson to to play on my record, I'd call the music network and they get in touch with you and blah blah blah. You return the call and you know negotiate well, right. or do whatever you yeah. needed to do. That's true. Yeah, back in the day. She also was was a prominent in that. Who? What's her name? Jean, famous arranger. Uh, his sister. She was a. Uh, I can't think. Mrs. Page's name. Yeah. First name. She would call. He would have to call her because Gene Page was very. You know, he was very busy at that yeah, time. Yeah, very busy. I mean, he couldn't be answering phone. everybody. Yeah, he couldn't be answering nobody's phone. It's too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy, man. You know, so. Yeah, it was a different, a different day than it is now. A lot of people, people are recording at home now. Yeah, they are. Everybody got a recording studio nowadays. Right. Know? So they got recording studios in their bedrooms and stuff, man. You know, yeah. so, you know, it's just easy to record now. I think the industry is so huge now that it, Technology has allowed a lot of people to get into the music business, and some of them are, you know, deserve to be in it, and some of them are just in it just to be in it, you know. So it's changed so much, man, with all the sampling and the technology and uh, bush. I, I call a lot of them button pushers, you know, just pushing buttons. Well, it is a lot of the technology, you know, a lot of your music. It didn't you know the technology took a, a, a farther step than the music? The music left left a lot of the the music behind. Yeah, it did. But like like you you right. A lot of people are making music now that really are not musicians. Right. Know, right. You can hear. It, you can you hear know. you can hear it in the music. You know, matter of fact, it's, right. it's shifting into. See, I believe now. This is just Bobby talking. Back in the day, we played for feel. It was a good feeling, you know, uh, the beats and uh, rhythms and everything was a good feeling, you know, and you felt it when you played, you know. But today it seems as though uh, a lot of them are just doing it mechanically by the buttons, you know. So it, it, it feels a lot different. It is a lot different. It's not, you know, it's not warm as it was. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite different, quite different. And and you know. we, and we wrote songs from our heart rather than just from our head. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, life, real life. I'm not saying that everybody does that today, but man, those songs, man, were just straight up life. You know, whether it was a love ballad or whether it was a funk tune or whatever R and B or whatever, man, it just came so much from the heart. Right. That's very true. Um, you know, and then the, the, the musicianship had to be, it was, you know, you really had to be on it. Man, it was at a certain level. 
and and the entertainers, the singers. What did, what did you just say? Go ahead and repeat that. We broke up a little bit. You can make, you can make a voice with the machines. Yeah. person doesn't really have to be able to sing that way. They can take them in the studios, and they can talk a song, and they have an apparatus down that they can put that oh, into. Oh, they, they got that uh, uh, um, where they can put you in key. Right. I mean, yeah. you can talk, and they'll make a melody out of it. Exactly. Too can, easy. You know. Uh, yeah, they can do that today with the technology that's in, in, in front right. of them right okay. now. So anybody can get into the industry. You know, right. come a long way, right? Before, you know, you had to, you had to be about talent. You know? Yeah, more talent. You know, you know, right. and what I hate is when they push the bands to the back, and then they brought out the dancers in the front. You know, and uh, kind of push the musicians to the side. You know. Yeah, it's it's not right. Yeah, not and, they, and they did. They pushed us, pushed the musicians out of the picture, you know. And right. They took music out of schools and stuff like that, you know, so it kind of affected us, you know. It really did. Well, it really it affected in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of the children, a lot of the youngsters, that we call them, young men and women, they don't, uh, you know, after school, uh, you had to, you know, everybody was doing something yeah. musically. That's true. Or something. Now is now a little different story, you know. And the messages that, that they're sending now—I mean, I, I, you know, art is art is one thing, but I mean, a lot of the messages that they're sending now and some of the music is uh, kind of negative. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. You know, and you know that they uh, at one time they didn't allow that on the radio. Now, almost everything goes. You know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Huh? It don't even matter no more. Huh? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Where do you think we we're headed musically, man? Do you think it's just gotten to a point to whereas, hey man, it's a, our culture is becoming a lost cause, or is it developing, or what do you think that R and B so the so because I thought, you know, yeah, go ahead. What they did was the record companies. At one time, they the people that were running the companies and making the decisions were of music. They were music musicians and they knew about the music. Now they have a lot of people in their business it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. So how they money until they get that together, it's going to be like it is now. Uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pop, they came out with a record called uh, Yeah. Leave the Door Open. Now okay. everybody that record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that kind of, that was a, you know, a, that was a wonderful thing. That's kind of like a brush of fresh air. Oh, man. Especially for um, a lot of the elders and older people to hear fresh, something fresh like that. Right. And the younger people had never heard that. Like no, that. no, that's brand new to them. Right. And so they liked it. Now that they, they, they came back with some music and they, the record that they made, they used a lot of different things. You can hear a little Motown in it. You can hear a little everything in that. Oh, man, right. you can. And so uh, that was a that was great. And I think that, uh, you know, if uh, we don't know, but 
that could really uh the, the the record business goes round and round. Yeah, it know? does. It does. It could, so, it could, it could be a turning point. I hope it is a turning point to where they can get back to the soul of yeah, music. It's usually, then it's about the money. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you know, and then the people of you know, I remember the time, man. That you know, you could get an album and people would come over. Hey, people would, would hang with each other at their at their houses. And have a little libation and listen to the music. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, just listen to the music. You know what I miss? I miss back in the day, you could go buy an album and just flip it over and read all the credits. You know, all the credits. Right. Who, who playing on this? Who produced that? Who did that? You know, and it was it was an inspiration for me as a young musician coming up, seeing the James Gatson. Oh, he played drums on that and seeing, oh, okay, this person did that. And, you know, so it was an inspiration, you know. Right. And an encouragement in music back in those days. I'm talking about 70s, because that's the era I'm from. And 60s, right. 60s and 70s, too. So uh, that was something that was really exciting, man, going to the record store. Well, it, like you said, we were playing for feeling and trying to get a, a feeling of, a, you know, to bring out the beauty of the song and the heart of the song. Now, the machines, uh, they have no uh, no feeling. Heart, you know? yeah. They don't. And so that's, that's, what, that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. Because it's evolution, you know, evolution, you know, so uh, it, everything comes around, but, you know, it never go, comes back all, all the way the same, but it comes back around. Yeah. I have a feeling that Songs. That's what. That's one thing that, that, that we're lacking a lot of the songs. The songs are telling the stories and stuff. Yeah, storytelling. Yeah, yeah hopefully that'll come back. Yeah, but you, you know that's why the history and the music needs to be passed down because as we grow older, then that's a loss. It becomes like some like the blues and stuff like that back in the day. Nobody hardly plays it you know, today like they did back then, and it becomes a lost cause, you know, and we need to, right. just, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's that's really a shame, too, because that blues, that blues is our music, you know. It's our music, but, you know, we have more ethnic groups listening to it more than we listen to it, you know, so, right. you know, it's uh it's flip flopped, you know, and and that little, that little exchange, that little funk era where we were playing the funk bands and all of that, you know, it's been they were the rappers came in and started sampling uh, that music, and now that's kind of been fell down. But you know, you got very few people like uh, Bruno Mars who are still trying to keep it alive. You know, so uh, you know, uh, I was just having that conversation with Charlie Wilson uh, the other day. Me and him were talking. Right, Charlie's Charlie's keeping it alive. He's keeping it alive. I say, man, you still carrying the torch, man. You know, you out here. Carrying the torch and you know keeping it alive, right? And, and he has a wonderful following. I mean, hey, the, they, they still want people want to hear that. You yeah, know? They, they want to hear that soul of a man, you know. So that's right. And he's keeping that go. Got a great show, man. I mean, hey, man, he got a hot show. You don't want to go behind him. You want to go in front Shut of up. him. <laughs> <laughs> go in front of him. Don't go behind him. You know. So uh, that, that's what I say. You know, well, that, see that comes coming up through the ranks, coming up through the ranks of your forefathers, learning about that. See, yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you, 
we don't see that anymore. You know, they don't teach the schools, or you don't get to see people. You know, it's just different. Yeah. I mean, evolution. One thing. I mean, of course, when it takes the soul out of a certain thing, Mm -hmm. that's not right. That's true. So that's that's what. And then so it you know it it comes it becomes uh, delirious. You know that's why a lot of things. That's why a lot of part of the world is delirious. People, we talk about love. You know, we got to put that love back in everything. Oh, man, it's all about the love. That's it. It's about the love, man. You know, you got to go there. You know, you got to be yeah. there. Be there to be there. If we put that love back into it, then we can start getting along with one another. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who were who some of your favorite guys to be in session with, man? Who was the ones that you say, hey, man, I love playing with this cat? Marvin was great. Bobby Womack was fantastic. You know, uh, man, Smokey, fantastic. Bill Withers, fantastic. You know, I mean, I just love playing with those people. Yeah, those yeah, those musicians. Bill played guitar too, didn't he? Yeah, Bill played acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar. And see, his feel when he was strumming that guitar, if that wasn't in there, you know, I mean, it wasn't him, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I got a Bill Withers story. I got a little story, man, Bill Withers. I was up to uh, me and Patrick and I forgot, Ted Sparks or somebody's playing drums. And we were up to Clarence McDonald's house, right? And uh, we, we were rehearsing on some Memphis Horns music and stuff like that because we were getting ready to go in the studio. And back then, I was smoking cigarettes, man, back then. Cool Filter Kings. And Bill Withers had been on TV talking about stop smoking don't smoke no cigarettes he had a commercial right <laughs> on <laughs> on tv uh when he came up in there man over to clarence's house he say i was smoking cigarettes he said man give me one of them <laughs> <laughs> he said hey man 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 give me one of them cools man <laughs> it was it was so funny we just laughed man i pulled out and gave him one of my cigarettes <laughs> man give me one he lit it up Right. Uh, he been on TV talking about don't smoke. <laughs> right. Oh, man, so so funny. Me and Clarence and all of us just cracked up. Hilarious. Um, yeah, just crazy like that, man. So, you know. Those, he, he was, huh? I'm talking about the camaraderie then. It was more camaraderie then than it is now. Oh, see? man, the musicians, the man. Got the machines and got where, hey, man, I mean, I'm doing this music, but I'm not seeing everybody every day. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of that it has to do with the humanistic thing, you know. Yeah, man, we used to get together and after those sessions, go to Southtown and eat, you know what I mean? And uh, right. Queen Bees and all kind of places, man. Hang out at this, you know. Yeah. Then they used to have jam sessions, what I remember down on uh, Ventura with Josephina's and Baked Potato and all of that, you know. Right. Camaraderie. Guys right. get together and hang out and they just for the love of music. You know, it was all for the love of music. You don't think you had, huh? Break so that's, that's what we're dealing with, you know. Yeah. And that same as music, you know, it's just, you know, the same thing, you know. Yeah, man. So. Great time, great, great days. It's a different day and different time, different animal today, you know, and... Different mentality of musicians and entertainers. I've noticed something though. 
after technology came, kind of came in, it moved a lot of musicians into gospel music. Well, gospel has been a wonderful man. Gospel is taking such a giant step as far as, uh, you know, uh, who was it I was talking to? A famous gospel uh, producer and famous Sebo player wrote a lot of songs, wrote a lot of R&B songs, Jerry Peters. Yeah, Jerry Peters, right. Yeah, he, he was, he was speaking up because he just called me about Clarence. And he was speaking about, uh, you know, the gospel was like a conservatory now. Going to learn and learn about that music. It's gotten so ridiculous uh, that uh, you know it's like you have to you have to learn. Man, you gotta it's learn. Not, yeah, man, you gotta learn them lines and all them parts in gospel music right. today. You know, especially the drummers. They got some fantastic drummers in the in the gospel business. You yeah, know, and bass players too. Right, keyboard players. They're singers. I mean, so it's you know you think about it. I mean, that's where. A lot of the creation, the creativity is, is, is gone to. It's not in not in the uh, R and B music. Yeah, because I, oh. I I listen to some gospel and some R and B and some jazz, and I've noticed that the gospel music can be so complex as far as the movement and the changes and the stopping goals and things like that. And it's like, wow, man, you got to really study some of that stuff that uh, some of those guys are doing out there. The uh, Fred Hammers and Ty Tributes and Kurt Franklin right. and all of those type of uh, artists, and they're going through right. their music. Going, they they'll be them play two or three songs in one song, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the arrangements that they're doing is so you know it's great. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 it, that's where. That's where the music is going to. I mean, as far as our, our music is concerned, as far as the creativity and everything. Right. It's so, over there. You know, over there in New Day Gospel. Right. So it's like you got you got to go you got to go to the conservatory. That's the gospel. That's what conservatory now. The gospel music. Yeah. That's that. By all my other land, and we have some. We got famous uh, musicians that uh, we got a famous drummer, Lornell Lewis, uh-huh. who was a gospel. Player, church player that plays. Uh, they got a group called Snarky Puppy that he plays with. Oh so. yes, Snarky Puppy. Uh, I heard of. I'm familiar. That fusion group. This the drummer man. He is. He was a church player. You know, a gospel player. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic musician. Right, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> so you know that's 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 that that's great. You know, I think that that's one. Who were some of your influences, man, playing drums? Who were some of the guys you kind of like, wow, man, I like this cat, you know? Well, I'm an old-timer, so, I mean, I I like uh, Elvin Jones. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow, man, Art Blakey. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the gentleman at Stacks that we talked about, uh, the drummer that was there. Uh-huh. Uh, man, I like so, uh, so many, huh? Gene Cooper, yeah, it was so many of them there. Just like it is now, it's so many. Man, the, the drummers, the drummers today is so is so vast. Oh yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're a different breed right here today, you know. And uh, I look at it. You know, I got a few drummers, man, that really looked up to you, man, coming up, and they were kind of behind, you know, in my generation, like uh, Jonathan Moffitt, you know, he he really looked right. up, he looked up to you, uh, Calhoun, Raymond Calhoun. 
you know what I mean? And other drummers, man, you know, they, you, you inspired a lot of these cats. Jonathan Moffitt played with Michael Jackson. Calhoun played with the Gap. Great, great players. Yeah, great, great players, players, man. Gap band, Calhoun, like Good. you said. And I talk Good. to these guys right Not to this to, day. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, that's where it's at. The gospel is taking, you know, the, the talent. That's yeah. where it's, that's where well, how do you think yeah. about this modern smooth jazz as well? Because it sounds kind of, some of it sounds kind of just R&B-ish, maybe with a melody saxophone on it or something like that. Well, that's, to me, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they just put another label on it. Yeah. You know. They call it smooth that's jazz. What it is. Yeah. They call it smooth, smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. That's R and B with a melody, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saxophone or guitar player, uh, piano player on yeah. top of it doing melodies, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's working. It's all it's all music, you know. It's all music. You know, everybody ain't gonna like. It, right? That's true. That's you know. True. Now, you now, know, it's now, all. You played uh, some country music too, also back in the day, right? Oh yeah, I played country music. Yeah, quite a few. I've been on, you know, quite a few uh, country albums, you know. And country music is even different today than what it was back then. Yeah, it's gotten more popish. Yeah, that's what it's. I guess everything's shifting, isn't it, man? It's a shift going right. on, you know. More pocket. I saw where you play with Helen Reddy, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, I wish I. Could. You know, I, man, my mind is so messed up. Man, you got you got so much, man. You didn't did so much, you can't even remember what you didn't did. Right. I mean, the, later, lately, I played on some country people. You know, some country music. Sturgill Simpson. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the latest name that I did the album with. You know, this prominent, prominent uh, music. Uh, wow, man, uh, Shelby Lynn. You know, okay. a lot of okay. So you still you still you still out there working, man, huh? Just work still working? Yeah, I, I work this. I still work a little bit. So you know, I'm blessed that what I, what I did, my accomplishments, people still like. Certain people still like it. So that's a, that is a blessing. That's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good which is a good thing right there that you're able to you know go right. forward and still do some stuff, still working. You know, as we in our latter years, you know. Work is not on an abundance like it used to be, you know. So, no. Yeah. You know. I was, but I've been blessed where I still, you know, I still do. You know, I still, I'm still doing certain things. I just don't. Uh, the pandemic, I uh, was supposed to go to Nashville. I was going to Nashville every year. I haven't been to Nashville in a couple of years. Okay. Okay. I'm not to San Francisco or New York, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able, to, you know, the way that uh. It's going. I don't know if I want to get on an airplane. You know, I might want. To, I mean, I think that uh, you know, different artists are ready to. You know, they still use my services, which is which is good. So, are you still with uh, Local Forty Seven and out there? I'm still with Local Forty Seven, even though I'm I'm retired. I've been on. I've been there over fifty years. Yeah. I'm, but I'm still. I'm still a union. Uh, Union musician. Yeah. yeah. So, and you told me that 47 moved out to the valley. 
Yeah, they moved out the valley. They moved out to the valley. Wow. So you got to go out there to get your checks and stuff, right? Well, no, they mail your checks. They mail your checks to you now. Okay, so they mail them. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, they don't automatically. If you don't what? Pay your dues? If you don't pay your work dues, then your checks will sit there until you send the work dues to them. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to pay the work dues first before you get the check, right? Well, no, they'll send the check first. You know, they'll send the check first, but they won't send any more. Ah, okay. I you got know. you. I got you. So, union, union sessions uh, are not as uh, abundance of them like it used to be, right? Not nearly. The union is not as strong as it was right, before. Right, right. So because everybody got their, their own recording equipment and they're doing their own things without having to use the union, right? Right. You got and the movies and the TV, same thing. Yeah. You know, not as strong as it was. Mm-hmm. So, the, so big, uh, the, the big record companies, the Warner Brothers, uh, uh, Columbia's and uh, RCA's and Capitals, they have taken a drop, right? Well, they not they they have a different system that they're doing now. I mean, the artist that was signed with them might not get what he would get. Right. They, they don't get the same, not the same kind of budgets, right? Well, the, the budgets would be a little different, but then, see, if you're a writer or a you know that, that this, the record company would might might want to assume some of that within the contract. Oh, okay. They it, got what they call a three sixty uh, contract now. You know, I don't know what all is on it, but I mean, I know that once if they sign you, it's not like it was before. It wasn't like what they what they sign you as an artist. You you sign as an artist and a writer. Too, you know what I'm saying, right? So, so it's, it's, it's a little different. They not they they have they're not losing any money, but the people that are making the money is is the you know the computer age. That's where the money's going. The streaming, yeah, the, the streaming, right? But the artists, it's a bad thing for the artists. The artists don't make any money on that. You don't you you, you don't make the money that you should make. Wow. You know. Yes, change. So, so in other words, the artists are really getting beat, right? Really, really getting beat. Yeah, They're getting beat. And the people who are making the money are the publishers and the record companies, right? People making are the people that have the streaming companies. The streaming, right? Of that nature, you know. Because that's the new day thing right now, streaming. You know, right. we're, we're streaming. Exactly. We're streaming right now as we speak. So I understand it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, it's back to where you 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 know you you hit the road. Right. You're making your money now. If you get out there and you got a a good following, then that's 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 where uh, you know it seems to be. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm normally in contact with a lot of the old school funk bands, you know, the Lakeside SOS band Zap and all of these type right. of those bands. And it's almost like uh, they have to get together as a unit, man, to draw a big crowd, you know. 
They got it's got to be three or four bands on the on on on, on the agenda, you know, to have a a, a concert that's going to have a real decent amount of people, you know. Right. And it's kind of like uh, I'm like wow because they can't. It's hard for them to do it just individually by themselves, and and demographics got a little bit to do with wherever you're located. But man, it's uh they have to get together and do those funk fests and all of that. Yeah, that and the smooth jazz, they they, yeah. they the same thing. Yeah, smooth be, jazz. Mm-hmm. They got to be on there, you know. Just to, you know, it's a different thing now. The superstars, they, you know, they can work the stadiums. Right, right, right. And, you know, so it's, it's it's changed. The music business has really changed. You know. Do you think it's changed for the better or the worse? I think it's changed. Is is I would have to say it's different. Okay. You know, you know, because the, the music structure is different. I mean, we have there's different ways of people make, making music differently now. You got artists that are. Are musicians that uh, before that it, 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 it wasn't it wasn't like that before. I mean, you got certain artists that are out there now that wouldn't have been out there before because their talent wouldn't have been recognized. Right. Different. What well, I mean, different types of music, different types of artists. Gotcha. You got a whole other thing happening. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's part of like I guess it's part of evolution. You know, if that happens, we have to go through that. So yeah. I would say I'll call it different, you know. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's changed. And you know you've been around, man, for a long time doing music. How many years now? Oh, oh man, 55, 60 years. Yeah, 60 years yeah. In, the, in the music industry. Right. And you've done And some, I'm blessed. Yeah. So I, I, I still do certain things. But there are a lot of musicians that, you know, I mean, this uh, COVID really hurt. I mean, it hurt, it hurt the musicians pretty bad, especially the ones that were working in nightclubs and, you know, and even the ones going on the road. Right. It hurt them bad, you know. You know, so. Yeah, uh, yeah I've talked to a few of uh, major artists who normally would be on the road and they shut it down. So their musicians are not working, you know, and it's kind of, it became a hardship. You know, you're not working, so you can't pay some bills and stuff, you know. So, right. yeah, you know, just knock them out of work. So, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty rough right, right about in here, right about now, you know. And then politically, for our people, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, now, it, it, you is. Know. it is. And the recovery deal is, and, you know, the rise of COVID coming back again today. You know, so right. That's a situation where a lot of people are not getting vaccinated uh, for different reasons. I mean, you know, they've gotten people to tell them that it's not cool. Everybody should get vaccinated, man. I mean, hey, when they had the yeah, I believe that too. When they had the smallpox and all those different things, hey, man, everybody that got vaccinated, you know, they got vaccinated. It, it, it helped a lot. It helped so, tremendous a lot right there back in those uh, back in them days. Get vaccinated, man. And people, why do you think that in a African American black community that they're so afraid to go get vaccinated? Well, because of the uh, what they've been told. You yeah. Know, what they've been, I mean, 
it's not, you know, at one time, you know, they use us as guinea pigs. Yeah, like the Tuskegee experiment. Right, and the Carolina experiment and all right, that. So all a lot of experiments, right. A lot of them are looking at it like that, and this is not the case right now, but they don't seem to know because of so much disinformation that's out there now. True. You know, you got these politicians saying all kind of stuff, man. And so, I mean, it's a shame. You yeah, know, it is. You know, so it's 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 a ongoing situation, right? Mm-hmm. So the music, the music, you know, the music is is different behind that, I guess, too. You know, the music, uh, you know, the music for the times. I guess the music is in the times that the times that we're in. That's why I say it's different. You know, so yeah, time is different. Now let me ask you this question right here. Moving into another direction, you know, there are several labels of drum sets. Ones were the ones that you really enjoyed playing on. You know, what brand? The drums. Well, you know, the drums that they made fifty years ago. I won't call them. I can't call a certain brand. They got some good. They got they got a lot of good companies out there now again. Yeah. But because they they're taking their time and they're making them they're making them by hand. Right. So when if you make the set of drums by hand, you know, then you know what you got. If you if you if you got a assembly line there, you know, they're making drums like that. And see, these are organic instruments. Like you see, if I was to go to the drum shop and buy a set of drums, I would want to get a set of drums where I see the same color. Maybe I've seen two or three sets of drums the same color, because mm-hmm. I might want to take a tom tom off that other set that sounded better. Okay, then you the know? ones on the other set. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because when they were making them before, uh, not in the you know when they were making them by hand. I mean, they still had a certain a similar line that they did. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were making. They, when, they, when they when they let those set of drums go, it was a set of drums. They sounded great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that today. Yeah. Well, you had endor- you had endorsements, right, from various different drum well, companies. Hey, man, believe it or not, it took me a long time, you know, to get endorsed. You know, and all the hit records I played on, I I have endorsements now. You know. Yeah. You got some good. You got a lot of good companies out there. We got a company called CMC out of uh, Gladstone, Georgia. It's fantastic. You got DW. You still have your Gretches and your uh, Ludwig. Yeah. But we have some. We got some other companies now. Some younger companies. Yeah. That, they're putting, you know, out, putting out good stuff, right? They put out. They put out great stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Because, you know. So uh, you know, it's uh, that's that they had to, just like the car business. You you know the United States was making all the good cars, and when they start not making them so good, here come the foreign company. Yeah, they made you. better. The drums had to catch up again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it's better, you know. Yeah, so, I remember, like back in the old days. Well, I'm saying I shouldn't say old days, but back in the day. Uh, Certain cats kind of like they they like the Ludwig, the Slingerland, the Rogers sets, you know, and uh, uh, the Pearl. 
and those were some of the main ones that they kind of was doing because, like you said, they didn't have a variety like they do today, you know. And, right. and some of the younger businesses who manufacture drums and instruments today, uh, those instruments are just as good as uh, some of those other ones, you know. Right, but, you know, but they got to making, you know, a cheaper set. A lot of these companies start making cheaper sets that wasn't sounding as good. Okay, okay, I got you. Pick up these foreign companies or some of these younger companies that are, you know, coming up and they show making better drums. So now everybody is trying to, you know, get back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, you, you know, you, you very seldom, unless you really off, off brand, something, something maybe from China or something. Right. That might be as, is is good like it should like it should be, mm-hmm. you know. It's the performance you could get the performance out of it that you could with the other drums. Now they, man, they're making the drums. Man, the drum cats are, you know, and the cymbal. Yeah, they're coming. They they're starting to really, you know, because they got to compete against each other. So they're starting to make their products better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you this question. Now this is some. This is a conversation. And it's been a debate about drums. Tell them if you can tune drums to notes. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I've been telling them. I was I had a debate with some guys. Oh man, you can't tune no drums to no notes. I said yes, you can. That's right. You you can tune. You know, I tune mine, and uh, you know, every set of drums. They're different. So you have to tune the drum. A lot of times you have to tune the drum to the note that is feasible for. You know, you can't just tune every set of drums the same way. They had some companies at one time would put a note in the shell of the drums. That wasn't a good thing because the wood does a certain thing after so many years. Mm-hmm. You know, so that ain't going to work, you know. So you have to tune the drum you know, and and then, and you and you do tune it to a note. Yeah, to a note. I was telling yeah, so, some guys yeah. that they didn't believe it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I you say, know. man, if it's an A, you tune it to an A. Or if you so whatever note you. Sometimes they said depends depends on the session. Now you can correct me. Is that if the song is being played in a certain key, you can tune those those drums to the note of that song. Hey man, some of those uh, they got these electric drums now, or these different types of drums that they got now. Right. And you hear on these records, you can hear the drum, you can hear the kick drums, the same key as the bass drum. Yeah, the bass drum, right, right, right. The bass guitar. The kick drum, they call it the kick drum, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, you know, it's it's drums are, are tuned on and just as uh, you know, melodic. It's a different type of. Melodic. Of, of, of you know melodic structure, but it's still melodic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey man, look like we got a phone call, another phone call right here. Let's go and see who this is, okay? All right, all right. Eight one eight three eight nine. You're on the Bobby Eaton show. Bobby Eaton, this is Eugene Henderson. Eugene Henderson, how are we doing, man? Let me see if uh, Gatson can hear you right quick. Let me see something right here. Can you uh, hear Gatson? This is Eugene Henderson. 
Mr. Jackson, Jackson, how are you? Can you? I can, Jackson, I, can hear, I can hear you a little bit. Okay. Go ahead, you Go um, ahead. Mr. Jackson, if you saw my face, you would know exactly who I am. I was me and Patrick had our band manufactured punk at the Total Experience back in seventy six, seventy seven. But more, and I played with Charlie and them. I've worked on some of their records. But more importantly, I went to junior high school and elementary school with your daughter, Tracy. How is she? I can barely hear you, but Let me get here. Can you hear me better now? Hold on. Yeah. Copy that. Go ahead. I went to school with your daughter, Tracy, Mr. Gaston, before our band, my band and Patrick Bowden's band hung out at the Total Experience. We went to Audubon and Crenshaw. I was just wondering how Tracy's doing, and I wanted to say hello. Well, hello. Good to, good to, say, good to hear you again. You said you knew my daughter, Tracy. Me and Tracy went to elementary school and junior high school together. Oh, Okay. And uh, you don't know this, but a couple of kids... You know, the, the circuits out here are bad everywhere out here right now in California. Yeah, so. I, I'll so. repeat myself if it breaks up. But I, re- I, rem- I remember you. Yeah, my, you know, I was down there. I, I see. Last time I saw you, we were over at SIR with that thing that Robert Wilson had done. And we played together. That must right. have been 15 years ago. That's right. Yes, sir. I've been. Uh, I'm gonna have Bobby put me in touch with you because I want you to know what I'm doing. I spent some time on Broadway a few years ago, and I'm producing things right now. And I just want to bring you up to date on what I'm doing, and say okay. hello to Bobby Eaton, and uh, and uh, just let you know that uh, you're always in my thoughts. You're an example for everything I do musically. Oh wow! How flattering! Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say hello, and I'm gonna let you all go. Bobby, let me know what I can give you some tips. On all right, man, I'll give you a call, and you call me, and we'll hook it all up, and I'll give you uh, some information, okay? God bless you, Mr. Gatson. Uh, God bless you, Bobby. Love you both. Talk to hey, you soon. You. All right, take care. That's Eugene Henderson. Uh, me and him right. go right. away. I, 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 I remember him. We did. We, we were talking about Robert Lynn. Yeah, Robert Wilson, you know. You know yeah, Robert Lynn. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, God bless his soul, man. He was one heck of a bass player, you know what I mean? Yeah, he had his own style. You know, that was Robert Lynn. Yeah. So, right, man. So, um, man, uh, so now you're you're doing some playing. You're doing some, you know, you ain't stopped playing. You probably never stopped playing, man. The only time you stop playing is when your your hands are moved. I mean, I love it. You know, if I got to where I didn't care about it anymore, then I was I wouldn't want to do it. But I I still enjoy playing. You know, and uh, you know I'll I play as long as I can. You know. Yeah. So any of the old fellows get together with you? You guys just kind of jam it out sometime, from time to time, or something. Since the pandemic is, you know, it's it's, it's been kind of you know strange, strange. I, that to happen, but I thought we was gonna be cool until this this Delta you know came in. Yeah, man, that's a, some serious business right here, you know. And uh, wow, man, people are not getting out doing what they used to. I think we may have just kind of jumped out there too fast, man. Don't you? Well, I think that uh, it's I mean wherever this stuff is coming from, that's what I'm. I'm man, where is this coming from? 
Uh, yeah, where I'm, is it coming I'm, from? Right. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that we have a Dr. Fauci, as he calls it. I mean, mm-hmm. and he's telling everybody to get the vaccinations. And, and I'm glad that we have uh, people that's working on, you know, remedies and vaccines to, you know, to help us to still be here. You know, it was a black woman out of Carolina that had a lot to do with this vaccine. Did you know that? No, I, I didn't know. Yeah, she had a lot to do with it. With the, you with know, the, the vaccines? Yeah. So is that the Moderna or the, uh, which one? I'm, the, I'm thinking the Pfizer or the Pfizer, one of them. So she had something to do with that, huh? Yeah, she had something to do with it. Wow. See, we all so, over I the mean, place. We are all over the place. Modern technology for that is great. I mean, they, they got a handle on it quicker than they did in the 20s when they had there's other stuff that was out there that was killing everybody. Yeah, it's killing it, everybody, putting everybody down. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that I think that's holding up a lot of a lot of people getting together. I know it's holding up me mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm not a youngster anymore. So yeah, me <laughs> we in the same boat. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: How is Hollywood today, man? What's what's it like today compared to back in the day? What's going on with it out there? Well, it still has its uh, it still has its its place. I mean, it's still you know it's a different the young it's a, it's a younger generation. Musically, uh, it's it's different. Billy English, English, what's her name? Billy English. Yeah, English. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Hollywoodish. You know, we got we got a different type of music going on out there. We got a different had different styles to rap. Scene has graduated. Uh, that's what you're dealing with. You know, it's, it's a different. You know, it's 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 come it's come a ways from where it was. A lot of it has gotten more musical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, it, so, all that, so all that is in, in Hollywood now. I presume it, that uh, probably the recording studios are not doing as much business as they once did, right? You know, uh, because people have studios at home now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, I have a go ahead. And uh, the class that I get, they want the sound that I have mm-hmm. because I have a uh, I have a console that that I bought from Smokey Robinson. It was a Motown console. Oh, okay. So I I, I have that I have a, a certain formula that I run that through the uh, digital stuff that they have. So you're doing the an- get, you're doing the analog and the digital together, right? I get a warmer sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they say. So I sound that I got is almost like the sound that I had, so the people like that. So there's so much you know, so much different stuff going on, you know, now. I mean we still in a I think we're still in a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. You know. So are you they- know, are there any companies? Are there any companies like SIR Studio Instrument Rentals like it used to be? Is there any of those? Yeah, they're, they're still there. I mean, they're not they're not as busy as they were, uh-huh. but they're still, you know, they're still there. Huh? Still, yeah, you know, I mean, the the pandemic has stopped stopped a lot of the touring and a lot of the, you know, people still rehearse right. there and they still. You know, do certain things with drums. They still rent out the drums and different things. You know, wow. I did a session. 
I guess two months ago, I went out and did a session. This is before that Delta thing came in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't use my drums. They had some drums there that was from SIR, you know. Okay, okay. So you can still rent drums and rent equipment and stuff out of there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, they're still doing that. Ooh, I remember back in the day, it used to be people were preparing to go on tour, and they'd be up in them rooms rehearsing, man. It would be a lot of Right, rehearsing. Right, doing that. So, you know, the pandemic has stopped uh, a lot of that, you know. A friend of mine, you know Al McKay. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, he was there. He was, well, he has his own band now, the L.A. All Stars. Right. They, they were... Uh, they were supposed to do a the tour got they they went to St. Petersburg, Russia uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow. And came back. Uh and they had a tour lined up and when this Delta came, they had to postpone the tour again, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 what that's what that's what you know, that's what we're dealing with at the present time. Wow. Yeah, pandemic, man, is not only in the music industry, but just all over in all kind of industries, you know, it is really Maybe. shut them down. And then we drought out here. We got a 1,200 year drought in in uh, California. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the farmers, you know, a lot of things catching, is, catching on fire. A oh, lot of fires out there that way too, right? Yeah. Yeah. The fires, and then the you know the farmers have not doing so well, so the, the prices of the food was going up, you know. Yeah. So you know, it's changed drastically, right? The world, the world has changed. Yeah. The music has changed, changing, you know, with the times. You know, it's just you know we're in these times, I guess. Yeah, so, we are. We any you know challenging times and stuff like that, but we got to make a difference, man. We got to hold our heads up. We got, we the music, be, yeah. The good music and the warm music, you know, we got to keep that love. Mm-hmm. That is what's gonna make the difference. You know, that's what's gonna make the difference. That's why when the Bruno and the Anderson Parker, Anderson Parker was a rapper, they got together. Right. When they put that record out, man, that's why it did so well. Because it was speaking, it was speaking uh, positive. It wasn't a negative, you know. Yeah, exactly. So that right. that positivity is starting to come back. You know what I mean? I guess they're starting to do that rather than that negative rap and that negative stuff. You know, I guess a lot of the positive stuff starting to win. Right, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to make it. And uh, you know, the you thing know. the thing about it is also is that. A lot of these young artists don't have to go sign with major labels to have success, you know. Right. They're on the internet, man, and they can become a, a multi-million uh, selling artist on the internet. You know what I mean? Well, that's, mm-hmm. a lot of them uh, they get their own fan base. Right. You know, and they sell their records, and uh, and they uh, have you know they they appear. They set it up to where they appear, and they do they do pretty good. They're real good, man. You know, yeah. independent, right. independently, and they got the rights to everything. You know, their own, right. their own writers, their own publishing, their own whatever. You know, and they, right. they use like uh, iTunes to sell their music and uh, all these different Spotify's and everything to, you know, get the music out there. You know, so iCloud, you know, 
It's a whole different animal, isn't it? It's another. It's a whole other thing, you know. So it's you know, in one way, it's you know, it's just the world. You know, the world keeps going round and round, as they say. You uh-huh. know. So uh, that's the record Bill Willis put out. Yeah, yeah, round and round. Huh? You know, I mean, I. I, I I like all kinds of music. I might not like every song. Yeah, me too. But I like, I like everything that, you know, I, I'm just a music lover. You're, di- you're diverse in what you listen to. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, you know, if you know, everybody ain't going to like everybody, you know. No, so, they're not. They're not, you know, because, you know, we pick and choose what I, we want to listen to. So I wouldn't be bitter about it because, you know, you got to, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, you know, you have to keep up with what's going on in the world. You have to keep up with the times. Yeah, you do. You have to move with it, you know, because it's going to shift on you. You know what I mean? And you don't want to be out of the loop. You want to still be kind of in the loop, you know. If you want to do it, you know, you want to appeal to to uh, if you want to appeal to the the, the people, you know, yeah. you got to you got to do certain yeah, things. You got to have you got to have those conversations with those younger people so they can keep you informed of what's going on. Right. You know, my son, his name is Trey, and he keeps me informed of all of the latest stuff and the technology. And he's a musician, too, even though he grew up with me with the old school and he knows the old school. He knows the new school, too. So I've said, well, man, you got you got knowledge of both worlds, you know, so. See, that's a good thing because he's got the basics. He got the basics. See, that's, yeah, that's really that's, yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, he grew up. He. He's been playing bass since he was about four or five years old. And I'm saying, well, hey, man, you playing all of this uh, gap band and all this stuff like that, learning all these songs. I say, now you you can apply it to, he's a, he got an old soul, so you know what I mean? So <laughs> you don't know, he, he, he said his biggest problem is finding young people who play the same kind of stuff like that he do. You know? Okay. Well, it's a matter of them being exposed to it. Yeah, being exposed. See, call, but it's called, it's really called Lee School. Right. I mean, something that this, if you want to call old us good, you know, you shouldn't put that on the back shelf. That just, it don't make sense. You're right. killing it. You're right. Exactly. You're killing So, you know, that's, that's, that's what, a, that's what a, the problem with a lot of it, being exposed to it. Being exposed you know, that's, to it. That's what it is, exposed. And the music—that's where the music business when they had when they when they took the music people out of the record companies. That's that's when it changed. Oh man, you talking about what the administrative people and all of that? Are you talking about the producers and stuff like that? Well, they had people that was running the the, the companies. They were musically inclined. They knew about music. So they were musicians and so stuff they, like that. Yeah. yeah. Then they put people in there. It was all about the money. You know, they didn't think about the music. They even thought about the money. Well, what's this, that, and the other? So that's why the music took kind of took the turn that it's taken. Yeah, you know? you're right about that, man. So yeah. they found out that they lost out a lot. They lost out a lot of it. You know, it's just started coming back to the sales and everything. Right. You know. For five years before, it was suffering pretty bad, you know. Yeah, it was. It was suffering real bad, huh? Right. So now, you know, it's starting. It's, it's, it's starting. You know, you're starting to see certain things musically. Get more musically, people. Are, you know, 
is making sense to people, you know, it's appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then too, we got a theater. We got a lot of theater in this music. I mean, you know, I saw. Oh yeah. You know, different shows that they had, the award shows and everything. You got a lot of dancing and the theater in it, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's great too. I mean, you know, it because is. that they that happened before, you know, back to what they call the vaudeville days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had that. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the theater too and the music. Right, back in those days, right. You know, and music has to be accompanied nowadays almost with a video, right? Right. You got to almost have a video in order to just get your stuff out there. That's true. You know, and, uh, you know, a lot of them be creating videos and music, you know, and it's easy to do nowadays with the technology, the cameras, the iP- the brand new iPhones and Samsungs, and and people just do it, you know, all kind of ways, man. Right. Mm-hmm. All kind well, of. I mean, you know, it, it, it'll 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 be all right. Yeah, I think, know, it, just, I think it will be too. You know, once it figures out what it's going to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Once, uh, yeah, once it, they say what goes around comes around, right? That's, that's, that's right, exactly. Yeah. What goes around comes around. Well, let me ask you this, man, you know, because we got about a few more minutes left on the show. What kind of advice would you give to a young musician or artist that's coming up today? What would be some of your primary stuff that you would actually tell them, man? Learn the basics. Learn the basics. You know, and uh, whatever instrument that you play, learn piano as well. Yeah. Because that is the core of everything. Everything comes from the piano, right? Right. You know, so if you're a drummer, learn, you know, piano. Uh, whatever you, instruments you play, you know, learn that besides the instrument that you play. But learn the basics of it so that you can understand all of it and you can grasp you can grasp all of it. I've been blessed because by me learning the basics, I've been able to see what it is. You know, I'm going to, to make the records. You know, that, that's what it is. You know, there's no, no secret formula. It's just that once you understand music, understanding, if you learn the basics, you understand it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> learning the basics. And as far as when it comes to, you know, practicing, you know, because a lot of people say they want to. Oh, put- yes, you got to. You got to put in the time. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to put in that time. You got to put in the time. You got to right. put in that time on the instrument. That's right. And I- you got to put that time in order to, to perform. I still practice. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta do that. No matter what you've yeah. done, you still gotta practice. You know. Oh yeah, you gotta of, practice. A lot of some musicians feel like, well, I play well enough where I don't have to practice, but you still gotta practice. Yeah, but that that ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. That ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna. You just gonna be what you are right then, then and then, and then you never grow. They gonna hire. They, they gonna here come somebody else along. They gonna hire. Them. Yeah, they gonna hire them you before know. they hire you. Yeah, they gonna if, if they hire you, they gonna get somebody else. Yeah, you know? and, and, so and that, has, that's something right there because I've seen this happen before, and I'm pretty sure you have too. Uh, being in the recording studio, 
and there's a drummer in there playing this track, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the producer's not getting what he wants out of that drummer. And he stops the session until the drummer something, and the drummer leaves, and all of a sudden he calls you and you come in. Well, that's a matter of taste a lot of times. Cause, is that what it is? You know, I know, I know you know, replace some drummers on some sessions, man. Well, let me. I we we gotta I get we gotta get. Huh? I have been I have been replaced too. Oh, okay, you know? okay, okay. Because I I think a lot of times it's a matter of taste. But then, like you said, we were talking before. I mean, you gotta know your instrument. You gotta know how to perform certain things. If if this, you know, you gotta be able to approach approach this music, right? So a lot of times a person they, they their approach might be different. They don't they ain't got it together. Okay. So that, that's what happens a lot of times, you know. And then other times it can be taste. Like I said, somebody said, "Well, man, I made a, this is cool, but I made I want I want I want this guy still." Right, right, so, right, right. So you you say you've been replaced, huh? <laughs> yeah, because there's another, somebody wanted another feel. Right. You know, right, I just tell it. Yeah. Right, right. But um, but you know, you got to know what you know. You got to know. I mean, they producers can tell if you ain't got it together if you can't perform on your instrument. You know what I'm saying? That's where the practice comes in. Mm-hmm. So you you ain't got it together, then then that you know, <laughs> and they ain't gonna call you back neither. No, you ain't gonna get another session out of them, right? You know, I, I I've seen times where you be in the session and somebody couldn't cut that part. See, that's the, that's what we we talking about again, that rehearsing practice and being being up on your instrument. I see them call somebody else way quick. Right. Like yeah. I, you know, I I they say Ike Turner, you know, when I, I worked down there with Ike Turner for a minute and uh he'd be in the recording studio in the recording booth and somebody be in there playing and he didn't like what he heard, he pushed the button and say, Telephone <laughs> Telephone <laughs> He tell them telephone and push the button. They come on, off in there on the telephone and pick up the phone. Ain't nobody on it. Somebody else will be in there playing in their spot. <laughs> yeah, man, it's funny. Yeah, Ike yeah, Turner was a uh, was a, a great musician. Yeah, he was. You know, he was, yeah. he knew his music, what he wanted. You know, so right. I think that a, a lot of that music, a lot of that rock and roll, Elvis and all of them come from Ike. Uh, Gene Vincent, yeah, I think that all, you know, because I played piano. He was a piano player. Yeah. You know, people look at him as a guitar player, but he was a piano player, too. Yeah. But I think that by him being down at that record company, I think that a lot of that rubbed off on those people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He probably did, you know. <laughs> because I remember when I was working with him down at Bollock Sound, which was located over there in Inglewood off of La Brea back in the day. Right. Uh, man, everybody would come through there, man. I mean, you would see Joe Cocker and uh, Shocker and him and Bobby Womack and everybody was coming. Bullet Jones, everybody. Man, That's you right. name them and they was coming through there, man. And I was like, wow, look at all these iconic people, you know, coming right. coming to Ike Turner Studio, you know. That's so, right. Yeah, man. So many memories, so many days, so many things going on. James Gaston, hey, man, uh, it's been a pleasure. Man, talking with you and you sharing, man, all of this iconic and big uh, just history, man, uh, in the music industry. We wish you the best in the future, and uh, I'm gonna be staying in touch with you because, man, you know, you part, you part of uh, an influence to me, 
uh, in my life, in my little career. And, uh, man, I just want to thank you, man, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share this with the world. Hey, man, thank you for having me. And I hope that, uh, you know, whatever I said might help somebody. Oh, man, it yeah. really did. Thank you, James Gaffin. Okay? Thank you. All right. All right. Help. God bless you. God bless you, too, man. Hey, we've talked to the iconic James Gatson, you know, uh, professional drummer and studio musician who gave a lot of history. So, want you. So, for those of you who didn't get a chance to hear this, pass it on. You know what I mean. Go ahead and tell them. Uh, the show is recorded on uh, Facebook eighty nine point nine on Facebook page, or they can go to uh, Blog Talk Radio, the Bobby Eaton Show. They can they can do that. It's recorded on that, and you can let them listen to it and things like that. Man, what a great show. What a great man. You know, James Gatson, legendary drummer. So we want you to do that. Keep in mind that we're here on the Bobby Eaton Show every Monday and Wednesday, 6 p.m., and on Saturdays like today, uh, 12 noon Central Standard Time. And we want you to tune in. Go to our website. We want you to do that. Please go to our website, kbob899.com. I'm going to repeat it, kbob899.com. And give us some comments. Look through it. See what we got going on here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, home of Black Wall Street, 1921 Massacre. I'm right here, just right a couple of minutes from all of that activity that took place, that horrific activity that took place on United States soil. You know, you keep in mind that um, the first place that was bombed was Tulsa, Oklahoma, right here. Home of the Gap Band, Wayman Tisdale and Alfred Woodard and others have come out of our our city right here. We serve the community, KBOB 89.9 F- Uh-oh, 89.9. And we say we uh, serve the community. And we want you to uh, support us. And if you want to support us, here's some ways you can support us here. Uh, you can go, to, if you use Cash App, you can go to Cash App, Eaton Media Services. Again, that's Cash App, Eaton Media Services. Or you can mail a check or something like that to donate to help us in our youth program with radio show. People are always asking us, well, who's the Juice Radio Show? Juice Radio Show are young high school students who come into the uh, recording, well, to the radio station. I'm guessing got me thinking about recording studio. They come into the radio station, and they do radio their way. And we take them to various places. We, take in, we took them to Atlanta and went to Tyler Perry Studios, and we went to CNN and all that down in Atlanta. Now we're doing a campaign and a fundraiser to take them to New York. Trying to, we're gonna fly them out to New York, about 15 kids, and uh, take them to the Breakfast Club and other things like that. So, if you would like to donate to us, you can donate uh, by mailing a, a check, a money order, or something like that. It uh, to uh, Eaton Media Services. That's Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1533 North Norfolk, Tulsa, Oklahoma 74106. Again, Eaton Media Services. Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, 74106. And I'm going to give out you guys my personal phone number. Everybody who's listening right now, I'm going to go ahead and do it. You can dial the number 
9499, you know, and uh, you can call me and get my email address, eatmusic2 at gmail.com. I know I'm giving out a whole lot of information, but, you know, if you go back into, to this recorded event, you can play it back, listen to it, go to kbob899.com and go in the comment section and we'll respond uh, as soon as we can. Man, great interview today. James Gasson. All right, till the next time, we want you to have a good one. Stay black. The home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live.